0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild, where we talk about creativity and the things that inspire us. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is
1: Joy, your other host.
0: Yes, thank you for joining us again this week. Um, this is our first recording um, that we've done since um, since we we put out these two recordings over the last two weeks with guests that were recorded towards the end of May and like right there at the beginning of June. And so it's been a few weeks since we've been uh, in the recording studio just with other things going on. And um, as we all know, um, right now there are some historical things taking place and for the better in our opinion, because this world needs to change. There's too much hate, uh, too much racism, too much of um, just evil in this world. And as, not just as followers of Jesus, but as people who care about others, we believe that there is more to be done than to sit and remain silent. And while we took a week off a few weeks back to elevate Black voices and to share uh, with you guys, our listeners, what we've been reading or what we've been listening to and even watching, um, we then put out the two episodes we had pre-recorded before all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, now we're back in the studio. Um, you know, kind of in the midst of all this, same as all of you, and um, I just think it's important to address that before we jump into what we're talking about in this episode, because Black Lives Matter. They do, yeah. and we we have friends, we have um, people in our lives, uh, people who have influenced our lives. I I know that I've had teachers and people who have influenced my life over the years um, who have been black or. You know, people of color who have really impressed upon me just the the joy and wonder of both creativity um, and learning and education, mm-hmm. and to say that there's no value there is dismissive and disgusting. And so, um, I believe that we need to be able to say say that right off the bat that there is there is purpose in what is taking place, and there mm-hmm. is. Um, there's a need for change in the way that this world is and the way that our country is um, and the systemic racism that has taken place, uh, not just in policing, which is where all the attention is right now because there is systemic racism in policing, but in the whole system of how we do things, not just in this country, but in the world and yeah. um, white supremacy. And that needs to be totally not just dismantled, but destroyed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, we talk a lot about privately, um, and uh, but I also think that like, especially in light of, um, like you mentioned, all of the people who have influenced us in our lives and all the people that we care about, um, I believe it's time for us to start being, um, more public, uh, particularly in the show and our support of, um, of black art, black lives, um, black business, um, and just really coming to grips with um, the role that we can play in, in that arena. Um, and I think that, like, you know, you mentioned um, everything that has happened in the last uh, several weeks, um, particularly with the death of George Floyd. Um, you know, that's something that this movement has been going on for a long time. It's just that it has finally reached uh, national and then global attention, right? Mm-hmm. And we have yeah. there are people worldwide who are protesting um, for black lives and and you're right, it's not just an American problem, but chattel slavery was unique to um, it, w- it was uniquely American. Um, and it's it is something that as uh, it that as white people we are responsible for. and I um and so I think that, you know, particularly with regard to protest. Uh, I remember years ago um, reading a, a quote that said, you know, if you um, wonder what you would have done during the civil rights movement, um, you're doing it now. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's true. And I used to, I remember being younger and kind of thinking, especially as a kid, like, what would I have done Um and now I'm an adult, and I have the opportunity to live out what I believe. And so, really, there's no one to blame but ourselves. If we're here and and we are behaving as though we're unaware, um, then there's there's no one to blame but ourselves. You know, um, this is not new. This is this is centuries old. Um, yeah. And uh, but one of the things that I think has struck me the most about um, protests that have been happening, uh, particularly, um, protests that are happening that have, um, uh, you know, black leadership, um, when there are black organizers, um, there is a vibrancy, um, there is art, there is music, there is dancing, there is a particular joy and beauty that we see in these protests because the reality is that, um, you can't stifle, you can't stifle that, that life. Um, you know, Micah Borne in, in one of his songs, um, talks about stubborn hope. And, um, and I think that that is one of the things that we're seeing in the protests and it's, um, it is uniquely beautiful. Um, and yet it is upon us as, as white people to, um, to support that and to engage that and to elevate that, like you said, and to amplify that beauty and to amplify that art and that life and that hope. Um, Because it's like, I would, I would love to say it's time, but it's past time.
0: Yeah. And for me, it, for me, it comes down. Like I have a, I have a theology of creativity, like, what it means, like, you know, if we're specifically talking about even just this this podcast and what it means to be creative, my faith influences creativity. And it even there begins with the fact that as a follower of Jesus, you know, that I believe that we were all made in God's image and there is value in being an image bearer. And those first image bearers were not white, like mm-hmm. the the Adam and Eve and, you know, where people came from, beyond that didn't start with a white person. And, um, you know, the idea that then there are these distinctions and these hierarchies and these patriarchies and these systems that oppress and hurt and all of that, like, you know, I could go on and on about the reasons why and and what I believe in, in regarding that. But to, to go back to the beginning and just say, the Lord has made us creative Because he is creative and he created all things. And so we should pursue creativity the way that he pursues creativity. And we should pursue the community of one another the way that he pursued the community of us. I think is valuable and important. And that goes beyond the color of our skin and it goes beyond the walls and the borders of a country. It goes beyond the languages. It goes beyond who we are as people because beyond all that, there is something more to us. And, and that's that's what I believe. And even though we don't talk about faith all the time on the show because it is specifically about art and my theology of creativity, as it pertains to this idea that there is something all of us share, whether you believe in God or not, there is something all of us share in our spirit, in our soul, and who we are as human beings as creative beings. And all of us, as I've talked about so many times, no matter if you're a janitor or if you're a mathematician, you are creative in some way, shape, or form. And using our creativity to speak truth in many ways like the prophets of old. To speak truth and to, and to share joy and to, to communicate love and to communicate grace and to call out and speak against toxicity and poison and hate. Is that everything that prophets were meant to do, and as artists, we create things that then can reflect those same ideas. Saying no, this is not good enough. We have to do better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I, I'd love to do an episode on art and activism in the future. I've got a lot more research to do on my own before I feel comfortable enough talking about that. But to talk about art and activism and the role that art has played in activism, I think would be great um, to do here in the near future. But We just wanted to share just some of our thoughts on that as we move forward. And, you know, we we do love you guys as an audience. You guys have been very supportive. But we also want to challenge you to think critically about this time. And what are you doing to live actively anti-racist, to pursue pursue getting rid of those tendencies within yourself, within the systems that you work in? Are you standing up for... uh, You know, the black people, indigenous people, people of color in your workplace, in your area, are you um, there helping and benefiting them, pushing them forward and and showcasing them? Are you just living off the system because, you know, it benefits you Mm -hmm. and can you wrestle and be challenged by those thoughts and those ideas and see where you can make a difference to be better? Because, you know, that we're all in this together and we want to see we want to see. Not just black lives. Um, not just indigenous lives, not just people of color's lives, but we want to see human, humans and humanity thrive together because that's what we've been called to do. And that can only happen if all of us are doing that. That can only happen if black lives matter. That can only happen if indigenous people's lives matter. That can only happen if people of color matter. And so we're pressing forward because we don't matter until we all matter. Yeah. And right now, black lives, according to the world and the way they're treated, don't matter to the majority of people. And so we have to stand up for that and say, yes, they do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In that vein, um, I think that one of the more recent things that um, I realized and I, I talked a little bit about it um, when I in, in my most recent episode that I recorded um, mm-hmm. for, for my other project um, was that particularly in art um, – and in in film um, and in you know um, shows and movies and things like that, I um, it took me a really long time to realize how underrepresented. To my to my shame, it took me a really long time to realize how underrepresented um, the re, you know the reality of um, of diversity is. Uh, that most of the shows and the movies that um, we watch that, that America watches specifically white America is, um, you know, they're written by white men. They're directed and produced by white men. They're, you know, cast by white men. Um, and it's just a very like monolithic sort of, um, perspective. And then realizing that it's not because there's a shortage of creativity. In other spaces and in other types of people, the reality is that the people who say, "Yeah, we're gonna pick up this show or we're gonna finance this movie, etc." Um, they're they're picking up the shows and the movies and they're financing those projects that are written and produced by white men. That's that that is the only reason that that's happening mm-hmm. um, because. If we really look at the reality of art and, um, and literature and, um, and music and, and dance and all of these different forms of expression, there is no shortage of creativity right. um, from other people groups. And I think that that is something that um, until the last probably four or so years, I did not realize how underrepresented people were because I never had to think about it and then more and more lately um thinking about how can I expand the music that I listen to the art that I consume the books that I read and then the last thing that I that I really realized was film like how do how can I expand to include other voices in the film that in the films that I watch in the shows that I watch in the media that I consume um and that, um, you know, was something that I had never really paid attention to before. And so we watched A Wrinkle in Time um, with the kids. And that was the first time that I thought, I know who, um, you know, who directed this. And I think she produced it too, right? It was Ava Duverney. Yeah. Um, and I, I talk about it with my guests on my other podcast, but um, that... That was a, such a beautiful and, and wonderfully told story. Visually, it was stunning. I loved it. Um, there were, you know, so many cool moments, and the kids loved it. And I think that for me, it was like, oh my gosh, who is Ava DuVernay, and why haven't I been paying attention to her? Um, and then watching Thirteenth and seeing the the incredible way that she, you know, wove reality um into a dynamic really experience for the watcher um for the person who's who watches that film um i particularly appreciated you know the way that she juxtaposes an an alec representative um with other people who are you know saying like well this is what's really happening um you know line by line sort of statement by statement um and I'm really glad that, um, that you turned that particular film on because um, I think that, for me, there's always a certain level of, like, especially when it's documentaries about difficult topics, um, sometimes it's, for me, I think, I think I'd rather read it. You know, I'd rather read it in an article. I'd rather read a book um then see images because um, images are powerful yeah and hearing real people and it, and it is painful but i think it's necessary
0: mm-hmm. for those who don't know 13th is a documentary by Eva DuVernay and others um also i think produced by Brian Stevenson the equal justice initiative um i think mm-hmm. um off the top of my head but it's about the 13th amendment and um, how even though the Thirteenth Amendment, um, quote unquote, abolished slavery, um, that in the clause of the Thirteenth Amendment says that no no person um, in the United States shall be held as a slave or as an indentured servant unless they are convicted of a crime, um, mm-hmm. and you know basically put into prison, in which case then they can be forced into labor. And so what we see is basically from the end of the civil war to the modern era, how the um, prison pipeline of like collecting people specifically at a disproportionate advantage, black people into the prison system to then work for labor for free labor or cheap labor, because it's the prison system Mm -hmm. um, that it's a new form of slavery and a new form of indentured servitude and all that stuff. And so really powerful documentary. It's available on Netflix 13th, and um, or 13. And it's very, very good. And I highly recommend checking that out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like we enjoy documentaries. I think you enjoy documentaries more than I do. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, I, I, like the word enjoy is a strong word because it implies like, oh, this was great. And I like just had fun. Right
0: well, so for a documentary to me is like a textbook, yeah, but it's visual and it's easier to get through sometimes than it is to sit and read yeah a textbook like I can read a novel or I can read even historical fiction sometimes and be like, oh, that's interesting, and there's some true stuff in there, but it's not mm-hmm. totally real because um, it usually plays more like a novel or a film based on a true story, mm-hmm. but a documentary is like the textbook, here's all the facts, here's all the information, here are the interviews, here's the. The letters we have, here's the video footage we have mm-hmm. of it happening at that time. And so there's really, there's not much room. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but there's not much room for um, it to be falsified. Right. And so um, obviously the goal of a journalist and the goal of then a visual journalist in the case of a documentary is to be, um, what's the word, nonpartial?
1: Yeah, impartial. Impartial. Yeah.
0: And so you're hoping that you're seeing something objectively versus subjectively. Mm-hmm. But we also know that as humans, we err on the side of subjectivity and our own experiences dictate then what we see. So that can happen sometimes for sure. But what I enjoy about documentaries and what I enjoy about this is that it's a way for me to take in the information in a different format than just reading the text Yeah. Because I could in a textbook. Sure. Um, Not a white American textbook, but, (laughs) you know, in a textbook.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that struck me. And I haven't watched a whole lot of historical documentaries, but that was one of the things that I just went like, this is engaging. This is dynamic. This is powerful storytelling. And if I could have learned history in this way, that would have been incredible. Um, Rather than studying a textbook. Yeah. It's just so like I think about a lot of the um, documentaries that I've seen and a lot of them are more distinctively about like here's a documentary about like potato chips, you know, and that was, you know, something just very like uh, niched and that's something that like that was my experience with documentaries for the most part. Um, But historical documentaries now having watched a couple of them, just really only a couple of them – seeing that and thinking how incredible it is to learn about something in that way.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of film, one of the things that we have been slowly making our way through is the 2019 season one of uh, Watchmen, which is based on a comic book. Um, and I bring that up because the original comic book Watchmen from, I want to say, the 70s or 80s. I've got it sitting on my shelf over there. I could probably look at it, but eh, I'm not going um, <laughs> to. Depicts these um, estranged superheroes um, in a an alternate timeline of of American history uh, known as the Minutemen um these superheroes from the 20s and 30s and whatnot have um, fought in wars and served the government and all this different st- type of stuff. And they have their own faults and things. And then in the book, you kind of fast forward if, you know, 10 or 20 years and then you're in like the 60s, 70s when some of the main story takes place. And um, the the short version is it ends with basically this cataclysmic event that unites the whole world – against a common enemy and the villain of the story is like people are going to um unite under this one event and i you know even if they don't see me as a hero it'll really create world peace Mm. and so the tv show that came out last year takes place about 35 or so years after the events of the comic book so it's like a sequel but it's um it's, it's a sequel to the comic book, but the, but none of this has ever really been written down. So it's, it's not like a, a direct adaptation of another comic storyline. It's its own visual story. Um, and what they're doing is, again, in this alternate historical timeline, is playing off real events that have played out differently. So like mm-hmm. um, America won the Vietnam War and Vietnam has become a state. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's part of the United States and there's other things. Robert Redford is president. And (laughs) one of the things that it starts with, and there's going to be some spoilers here. We're only partway through the series ourselves. Um, Recently, they put it up for free because of some of the events that take place in the series and some of the issues. Again, just in 2019, before the cataclysm of events that took place over this last month, this was already out and mm-hmm. so it, it just tells you, again, how prominent this issue is with racism, white supremacy, hate, and, and all that stuff. And so um, the story follows, um, takes place mostly in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And many people don't know this, but in 1921, um, white supremacists destroyed um, an area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, that was predominantly held by black community, um, what was known as Black Wall Street. And so just like Wall Street, New York, um, where like the money was, where trading was and business was, Black Wall Street was essentially like this rich, affluent community um, in in that area that then white people, and this, is, this part is true to history. If you look it up, it's not taught in, in schools. Like no. I didn't know about this until I was an adult. Yeah. And you know, white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan and all this stuff, they came in and they destroyed this area, murdered people, killed people, dropped bombs from like farmer planes on people and yeah. all this stuff and just just decimated. And um, not to glorify death and the pain, um, but to truly be honest and to hold up a mirror to ourselves, uh, Watchmen starts off the series looking at that event, which yeah. is true Um, even though this takes place in an alternate timeline, this event is true in our timeline and what we've experienced in our history. And then we kind of go back and forth between some of these things through the story where they're still, still dealing with this white supremacy group in modern times in 2019, when the series takes place, um, infiltration within police departments and police brutality, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as a super badass hero named sister night. Yeah. Who
1: freaking love her
0: is fantastic. And, um, it, it's just, it's interesting that you can have like these stories and even in creativity that again, like we talked about a little bit, and I'm hoping again to talk about more in the future with art and activism that push the boundaries of what is true, mm-hmm. um, upon us to say, Hey, have you ever noticed this? Or have you thought about this? Or did you know this part of our history as well as saying, now look at this because you can digest it maybe easier, easily, more easily because of how it's formatted versus, you know, in the textbook or in the documentary, you can see it in this way and then go, huh, I never heard about that. Let me go look it up for myself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, for real. Um, and I, I think that it's very telling that a, you know, pop culture, um, show is what's teaching a lot of us about, um, history, the history of America. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a black author and activist um, named Ernest Krim Third, and he is local to this area. And um, I started, you know, um, watching some of his uh, videos um, and, you know, listening to some of his interviews and things like that uh, more recently. And he, he mentioned something about um, Black Wall Street a couple of months ago or a month ago maybe – Um, and I thought, what is that? I had never heard of it. Um, and one of my clients who, um, I know very well at this point, um, I, it's odd because I didn't bring it up, but my client brought it up and said, you know about Black Wall Street, right? And I said, no, I've heard of that though. Like I just heard of that the other day and, you know, no, I didn't know about it. And they said, Um, it was a massacre and then they said, Google it. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I did. Um, and that was before we started watching this show. And I think that, um, you know, my first reaction was like, how did something so massive get erased from our education? And, and it was never included in our education. Um, And then like, you know, had like a nanosecond of like connecting the dots of like, oh yeah, this, that's why, because there are, um, because white supremacy is, um, insidious and it has, it is written into all of our systems.
0: And history is written by the winner. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's why a lot of things don't actually line up when you go back and do the investigation yourself. Yeah. And like even something, I've read this before. In fact, I read it at the monument because the information is there. But uh, when I was in college and I went to Washington, D.C. and I went to the Lincoln Memorial and all that stuff, you can read about all this different stuff there. But even Lincoln, you know, we're taught in schools, well, Lincoln freed the slaves and he Mm -hmm. was against slavery. And Mm -hmm. The truth is whether he was or wasn't is not the point. What he said and it's written down and we have the documentation is that my goal is to keep the union together, to keep the states together. If I can do that by freeing slaves, I'll do it. If I can do it by keeping slaves, I'll do it. If I can Mm. do it by freeing some and keeping others, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes because it's more important to keep the country together than it is to tear it apart. Right. And so he wasn't like, oh, I'm against this. Per se, maybe he was, but like in what we have, like in documents, he was, he was like, he cared more about the unity of the country. Right. And to do that was to, you know, again, the Emancipation Proclamation and all that stuff that then led to where we are now, which Mm -hmm. again, has been perfect as we've seen.
1: No, it's just, uh, slavery was not eradicated. It was just transformed. Yeah. It evolved. Um, and I, that's like a. I think that that's one of the things about this show that we're watching that's so powerful is that like there is no shying away from that fact. No. You know, there in one scene there is a young kid. He's, what do you think? He's probably in grade school, maybe junior high. I'm not good.
0: I'm with- which kid?
1: Um, when he punches the other kid, it's like in the first oh, episode. Yeah.
0: So he's he's probably in like fourth or fifth grade, maybe.
1: Yeah. And then uh, he gets in the car with his mom, and she says, "Why'd you hit him?" And he said, "Cause you wanted to hit him." <laughs> and she was, uh, she was like, "She no. didn't say
0: anything." She
1: didn't. Yeah, she she just like was in the car, and then he he said he's a racist. Yeah. And um,
0: she said, she "He's said, not racist, but he's got a good start."
1: Yeah, and I thought that was so interesting. Um, and really speaks to the fact that it is learned. Yeah. You now for us, it doesn't feel learned. It feels like like inherent. It feels easier to just say like, well, that's a natural part of who some people are. But that's dismissing the reality that we hold privilege.
0: Yeah.
1: And that we do benefit from and uphold white supremacy.
0: Look, and we gotta say that we're not experts in any way no. on the subject matter we're just sharing with you guys what we have read, learned, or Mm -hmm. have, you know, tried to listen and pick up on in our, in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and from amazing scholarly, whether it's, um, black theologians, black scholars, um, black activists, um, listening to the voices who are there on the front lines of what is happening. Mm -hmm. And this is an everyday, everyday thing for them. Uh, Even now to sit here and talk about it in the quote unquote comfort of our home is a privilege. Yeah. And to recognize that is part of recognizing that there is a difference in the way that we live because of how we've benefited from the systems Mm -hmm. that are in place. Yeah. Even if it's not something we've taught ourselves or have been taught, it's because we live in a system that already benefits us. It goes unnoticed and unchecked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't have to come to grips with it. Um Normally, as you know, we could live our whole lives and just remain as we are—complicit,
0: yeah, stagnant, comfortable, and unwilling to make a change.
1: Yeah, and none of these ideas, like like Nick said, none of these ideas are like our our own unique original ideas. These are ideas, and and this is education that we have learned from voices like Dr. Kendi from voices like Ernest Krim the Third, from Leila Saad, and um you know so many, so many other like Angela Davis, like oh my gosh, uh, Malcolm X, um incredible, yeah. incredible scholars and educators, historians who know far more than we do. Yep. And we benefit from
0: well I'm from gonna their work. In in the liner notes as you're listening, there's gonna be a list of just some of the just some. This is not exhaustive. This is just some mm-hmm. of the things that we've been reading or watching or listening to that we're gonna encourage you guys to check out on your own. If you haven't seen it in the post that we've made um, amongst everything else that is going on in our lives or in the world, um, you know you can at least refer to this and mm-hmm. save it as a Google Doc or whatever you want to do. Maybe I'll even put it in a Google Doc and and then you can just open it from the the thread. Yeah. And then you guys can save it to your computers or whatever. But just helpful things or things that at least that we have found helpful that we hope will benefit you as well as you navigate this. Mm -hmm. And this may sound harsh, but if you're like, I'd have no interest, then please stop listening to us because we don't want that here at all.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We care too much about other people to, um, placate your needs if you are against this whole thing. So
1: yeah
0: bye. I'm not not even going to be shy about it because I care too much. And I've lost enough. I've not didn't have a ton of followers, but I've lost enough followers over the last month, month and a half because of things going on in this world that I've spoken out against that it doesn't bother me. So, um, that being said, that being said, if you are 100% like no I totally agree and I'm interested in this check out some of the yeah. resources that we're going to tag below uh, if maybe you don't know where to start maybe you're like I want to but I I just
1: I'll don't tell know you how I'm
0: supposed to navigate this and here are some things yeah. that hopefully will help
1: yes we will put stuff in the liners um, that have been really beneficial to us but there is one thing that a number of scholars and educators you know have have said and I, you know, gradually learned from, um, which should, it shouldn't have been a gradual learning, but it was. Um, and I, I think that it's important to note that like none of us are going to do this work perfect, perfectly. Um, we're going to screw up over and over again, but that doesn't excuse us from showing up. Um, but anyway, the, the (laughs) the thing that I learned, um, is that If we are, if we are as white people saying, I want to do something, but I don't know where to start. There's this great machine. It's called Google. And all you have to do is type in anti-racist or white supremacy or uh, anti-black racism or like anything like that. BIPOC educators, Um, you know.
0: Yep, and the, the tools are literally at your fingertips. Imagine you're having to do like some sort of research paper. Like just do what you would <laughs> do for that.
1: Right, exactly. Like
0: uh, because too many people are like, Well, I don't know what to do, so I'm not gonna try. Or yeah. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to ask and exhaust maybe the one or two black friends I have on what I should do to be a better person. Yeah. And that's just not fair. Give
1: me a give me a bullet point list.
0: Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. Um, we should be the ones doing the work. Um, and and encouraging and calling out one another as white people um, or white passing to um, see this dismantled in our end you know it, yeah because we're within it
1: yeah and I should mention I, I can, I've been continually saying white people, but um, you very appropriately said white passing um, because you're not you, you're not white no and that's something that, I don't think that...
0: Many people know. Yeah. Right. So I am I am uh, Mexican and I am Jewish and I'm also a bit English and, and whatnot on mm-hmm. my dad's side as well. And so I have plenty of whiteness to go around um, in every which way. But as I've even discovered more about my own heritage over the last couple of years... Specifically, when it comes to the Mexican side of my family, the Hispanic side, the Latino side, where they've come from, um, the white conquistadors from Spain who came in and pillaged and raped the, you know, cities and villages of Mexico that my ancestors came from, like that that Spanish bloodline and Mexican bloodline, all being mixed into one, and eventually leading to where I'm at. Like to think about all the historical events to think about all the little implications that led to the moment where then I was brought here. While it's amazing to think about because I exist and it could only happen a certain way, it also means that there's a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of heartache that take place in my ancestry as well. Mm -hmm. And that's not even including the Jewish side, which I shouldn't even have to get into. Right. But I'm white passing And because of that, I benefit from the systems of white supremacy and the systems that are in place for white people because unless I tell you, you don't know, and I get Mm -hmm. treated like a white person. Mm -hmm. And the very few times in my life have there been different moments um, where I've had to deal with it otherwise. And it's important to recognize, again, how the system benefits those who on the surface appear to be a certain way and just hearing that, even saying it out loud now to myself, even though I've thought about it, like it just sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds terrible. Mm. And yet somehow we continue to see this over and over and over again. Yeah. So, that mind. Do the research.
1: Yeah, and watch watch shows with like diversity. Like that's a uh, like that's a great start where like, you know, shows and movies that have been like written and directed and produced and are and cast um, by the BIPOC community. Like there's.
0: Yeah. And I would say the moment you think you've done enough, that's when you realize you haven't done hardly anything.
1: Yeah. And oh I'm, my not, I'm not I'm yeah. not trying to
0: be mean, but
1: no, but I think that that happens in have, anything. Yeah, we have that realization all the time.
0: Like, oh, I'm starting to get really good at this like practice of drawing or this practice of playing music. And then all of a sudden you hear something by accident and you're like, <laughs> Oh no, I'm not very good at all. I should keep practicing and like <laughs> It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like if we want to continue to get better, we have to continue to educate ourselves. This isn't a, oh, I read that book, so I guess I'm good now. No, like this has to be a lifelong thing because all through our lives we have been in it or battling it or been embraced by it or whatever you want to call it. And so it's going to be a lifelong battle really yeah. to to take care of it within ourselves. And I, I'm speaking to myself here. Like I'm not judging or accusing or, you know, yelling at you guys, I'm, I'm talking to myself yeah. and I will call it out when I see it, whether it's in myself or in somebody else. And so it's a, it was important for us to take this episode and, and legitimately the least thing that we could possibly do mm-hmm. by taking an episode and talking about this. And it won't be the last because this is the world we live in. And so it'll come up as is necessary when it comes up. But to take an episode and just say, look, what we've seen in this world is wrong. Mm-hmm. Racism is wrong. White supremacy is wrong. Supremacy of any kind, but this is the world we live in where it's white supremacy. Right. Supremacy is wrong. And so we have to live actively anti-racist. We have to call it out, but not just call it out and go, okay, that was good enough. Not just stay silent, not just be complicit, but actively pursue living a life that brings people in, in love and grace. Mm-hmm. With our creative spirits, with our creative drives, we can find ways to do that. Yeah. To build community. But then to take a stand and say, no, this is not okay. Yeah. Whether it makes people uncomfortable or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Whether
0: it challenges systems or not. Whether we lose things and sacrifice things or not. We have to do it.
1: Yeah. You know, and if the, if this is the point um, in this episode where you're, you're just starting to go, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. First of all, good. Because, like, we should feel uncomfortable. Um, I am most of the time I am uncomfortable. Um and that's not uh that's not a thing to shy away from. Right. You know? Um but if you are like at this point of like, oh my gosh, I feel so uncomfortable, um, I'm going to link in the liner notes as well um a video uh by Sonia Renee Taylor and um she is an incredible educator and she recently just um did a video about you know um why it's important to recognize white privilege why it's important to recognize white supremacy and instead of becoming crippled by the realization or the discomfort that we feel um what we can do about it and mm-hmm. it's um it's it's uh i think it's called the pickle jar and uh i'll link that in the we'll link that in the liner notes as well because it it transforms this realization from something that is paralyzing into an invitation of, um, a- uh, you know, of action both internally and externally. And here is how we can be more fully, um, alive in our humanity, in our creativity, in, um, in our divinity as image bearers. Yeah. And it's, it's it's a great opportunity, um, and I think that you'll find it healing. Yeah. So you should also, though, listen to um, more music, uh, consume more art, and all of those things by black artists. You should, because it's great.
0: Which is a great time to talk about what we're doing today, what are we going to do today. Hey, hey. All right, Joy. So we've talked about some of the things, obviously, over the last month
1: mm-hmm. that we've
0: been consuming, um, yeah. taking in. And I feel like consume in this case is kind of wrong. But like mm, yeah. to take in and and to be educated by, um, mm-hmm. I've posted a few pictures I know on Instagram in the stories at the very least like of books that I have been in the middle of reading. Like Just Mercy by Bryan Stevenson, who's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative um, that works to c- – combat and dispel the um, the false ideas that we have around the prison and justice system, as well as to bring to light historical inaccuracies, um, kind of like the Tulsa Massacre mm-hmm. um, with Black Wall Street and all that stuff, to just yeah. remind people that there is a history there that has been hidden for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of the other books that I got, one is called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Mm. Uh, which I am – I haven't started yet, but it's the next one on my list, and it's the truth about the American church's complicity in racism, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: I'm excited about just because, again, as uh, a follower of Jesus who has predominantly been in white church, I want to hear from non-white faith leaders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the same vein, I'm currently in three different books right now. Um, One of them is Me and White Supremacy, which is a workbook by Leila Saad. I'm also in the midst of So You Want to Talk About Race by – I'm going to try really hard to pronounce her name correctly. Um, I believe it's um, Ijeoma Oluo. And um, then also um, stamped from the beginning by Ibram X. Kendi – Um, and those are, for me, those are, it's very important that I do those in conjunction with each other because stamped from the beginning is very historical. Um, so you want to talk about race is very much like a conversation with another person. It's very like, oh yeah, I can read this or I could listen to this because it's available on audio audible as well. Um, and then me and white supremacy is, is work. It is the work that I can do within myself. Um, and so, uh, really just doing those at the same time for me um, feels right. It feels right for me. Um, but if you're if that doesn't feel right for you and you're like, I can't focus on that many books at one time, um, then, you know, just pick one book yeah. and start with one book.
0: Um, yeah, and real quick, just, because you mentioned it, um, I believe it might be for a while, but I believe at least through the end of June, uh, stamp from the beginning, the audiobook is free on Spotify. Oh yeah. And, um, so you don't even have to, even though you should go buy it, you don't have to, you can listen to it for free on an audiobook. And that's what I've been doing with my drives. Um, as I go into work is listening to that between my other reading. And then, um, The movie version of Just Mercy, the book that I first mentioned, um, which is the stories of Bryan Stevenson's early work in law, um, specifically with Walter McMillan, um, Mm -hmm. who was a high-profile case at the time, um, was made into a movie just last year or the beginning of this year with uh, Michael B. Jordan and um, Jamie Foxx starring in it. And that is free on... um, Amazon Prime, and even Apple TV, so you don't have to buy it Um, if you have Amazon. um, You don't even have to have Amazon Prime. It's streaming free like as part of um, this initiative they're doing this month, so you can watch it and at least have the visual story um, uh, of what that book is about. Two of the other books that I'm reading, I've been trying to focus some of my both learning efforts as well as – I don't want to say frontline because I'm definitely not on the front line, but mm. kind of like my on the line efforts, if you will, to donating and looking into organizations that are specifically in our area. So like in the Chicagoland yeah. area. And so uh, one organization um, has been helping uh, moms and young families in need in Chicago with like uh, food and diapers and formula and clothing and things like that. that I've been trying to give regularly to because I just, I love families and I love like having been a youth pastor and having worked with kids and uh, students, like I think about families and the importance of like families having enough. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's been important to kind of look into that. But also one of my favorite, this is going to be crazy, but one of my favorite comic book authors, comic book writers is Eve Ewing. Um, Mm. She's written for several Marvel comics, specifically with uh, Ironheart and Riri Williams, who took over for Tony Stark after he dies in the comics. Um, Ironheart is like the next Iron Man, and uh, she's this young black girl who takes uh, over that role, which is really cool. But she also has several books of poetry and other things, and this one book that I haven't started yet either because I've got a list, but I have, is um, Ghosts in the Schoolyard, and it's by Eve L. Ewing. And it's about racism and school closings on Chicago South Side. So I'm um, really excited to get into this just to better understand just the area that I live in Mm -hmm. and find more ways that I can um, join in with the community to fight against this where I'm at. Because it's not just like, oh, cool, I'm watching it on TV. And, yeah, I can support and I can make a post. But how can Mm -hmm. I in my own community and area find ways to be involved? And then finally, the last – not the last book – On my list, but the last one I have (laughs) on my physical in hand list that, (laughs) and then I'll have more to get to, is The Sword and the Shield, um, which is a biography, uh, The Revolutionary Lives of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., and just the uh, contrast and comparison of both of these influential leaders um, of the 50s and 60s in civil rights, and just Mm both the dichotomy of the way they did things as well as the similarities of how they did things. And um, it, that one is, is really good as well. And that's by um, Peniel Joseph.
1: So we've talked a lot about books and things like that. Um, I'm curious. I, w- I would love to talk music. I'm curious to hear if there's any music um, that you've really been loving and well listening to.
0: I listen to them all the time anyway one because he's a friend and two because the music just is freaking great but mm-hmm. that's our friend Micah Borne and so like I am constantly having his stuff in rotation anyway mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. lately I've been listening to Run the Jewels um which I'd listened to here and there um a little bit over the years but not like more in depth but uh if you've seen that video from a few weeks back with Killer Mike, who's one half of Run the Jewels, as he was talking in Atlanta um, at the mayor's press conference, I think, or the governor's press conference in Atlanta. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, I've I've never heard him speak before. Like, for something like this, I've only heard his music. Mm-hmm. And I was really motivated by the things he was saying. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to more of his stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. and. Run the Jewels four then came out like a week or two after that, mm. which is their newest album,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's really really good. Some of it is humorous in different ways, just like the way that they uh, create imagery with their words. Where you are like, that's funny. I wouldn't have thought of like mm. how to do that. And mm-hmm. then the, some of it is just like, oh dang, that like is that the hits? Mm-hmm. It's, it's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So I enjoy – I very much enjoy listening to Micah Bourne as well. Um, but he was kind enough to um, share a, a list of black musicians um, to listen to a, a few years ago, I think. Um, a couple of years ago I asked him, um, hey, you know, it's Black History Month. And I realized, like, uh, this is not a big part of um, – my life that like, I don't listen to a lot of black musicians. And so I'd really like to, um, to expand my horizons. And I did the thing that we just said not to do. And I said, what do you, (laughs) what are your suggestions? Who should I listen to? And he very graciously was like, Oh, these are some of my favorite artists, you know, really enjoy, you know, these people. Um, and so there were there are um, there were some artists that like I really particularly like loved um, one of them was Joey Badass um, and his album All American Badass is just freaking incredible um, as well as uh, Moses Sumney and um, uh, Xavier Omar um, and then you know more recently he posted Michael posted about um, Dead Prez. Uh, which is an older album from, I think, 2000. Um, the artist is Dead Press, but the album that uh, Michael referenced was is from 2000. And um, the album is called Let's Get Free. And um, I was like, oh, I'm going to go listen to that now. And uh, it could have been written yesterday. Yeah. It could have been written today. Um, so um, listening to that was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's wild. Um, but- other artists that I really enjoy are um, Janelle Monae, particularly um, her song Pink, um, which is P-Y-N-K. Um, and then also there's a song called Tangerine Daydream by Lex Allen that is awesome. Um, and there's, there's so many incredible artists um, that like now, especially with the use of social media, it's so easy mm-hmm. to find um, more artists and more music. And there's also... Um, If you are looking for lectures, there's a great playlist on Spotify as well um, that was curated by Rachel Cargill, um, and it's called Revolution Playlist, and you can listen to lectures and speeches from um, Malcolm X, Angela Davis, um, Gil Scott Heron, uh, Sonia Sanchez, Huey P. Newton, Martin Luther King Jr., Asada Shakur, um, so many different things, so many different, you know, intellectuals. Um, but there's music in that playlist as well, and it's phenomenal and I definitely recommend it. Um, because you can listen to incredible um educators and advocates and, and activists um and 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 listen even to like their different perspective within the same common goal, right? Of dismantling racism and dismantling white supremacy, um, and getting free. Um, and so listening to those things, I don't know. We talk about music a lot. I talk about music a lot because it speaks to us in a different way. I think, um, it reaches us on another, on another level. Um, so those are some things that I'm really enjoying. Cool. Yeah, guys,
0: those, uh, like, again, we'll have, of that stuff, again, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not everything that's out there, um, but you can definitely look at it. And we encourage you. We encourage you to get in this. Yeah. Because it's – you don't want to be the same. You don't. You don't want to stay the same as you always have been. Um, and there can always be more work to be done. And I think that's important to recognize in ourselves as we move forward. And um, – You know, even with the pandemic, like people are like, oh, I just can't wait for things to go back to normal. And the truth is it was never going to go back to normal. Like our our world is different now. But even this is like we shouldn't let this go back to normal.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Normal
0: is not okay. It's not even good enough. Right. And we need to be in it. Yeah. All of us. And so I encourage you guys to check out that stuff. Watch those documentaries we mentioned earlier in the show um, or read the books. Um, listen to some of these lectures. Listen to some of these people. Follow them on social media. Don't pester them with your questions. Again, use Google. Do the research. But you can take insight from what they're sharing as they are um, living their daily lives and being open and honest about their experiences with the world. Yeah. And it's valuable.
1: Yeah. And many of them, you know, have information in their bios about how you can support them. So if you're learning from an anti-racist educator on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, yeah. specifically a black anti-racist educator, because we don't need to funnel more money into uh, white systems. Um, that's not to say that like white people don't deserve to have jobs, um, but the specific job of being an anti-racist educator is something that uh, is best done by um by the black community. And so if you're like, I'm benefiting from this, I'm learning from this, you know, check for a link in their bio. Yeah. You know, see if there's a, a Patreon um, or something like that and you'll get better access for like, honestly, probably five or $10 a month. You'll get more access to more materials and it's, it, it's worth it.
0: Yep, And a lot of, uh, a lot of amazing people even have, free newsletters like you just Mm -hmm. sign up and then you get their newsletter once a week or once a month or whatever it is and so you then from there there's those those other resources and and again it's it's taking the time if you truly care to take the time to listen and to act like not just listen and then like fall back in silence but to then take action Mm -hmm. whether that is to follow up with more reading more education to go to a protest to go to a um, you know, to to stand on behalf of somebody else to speak up and uh, to call yeah. it out to write a letter to your congressman or mayor or to even write a letter to your boss because something's happening at work, like whatever it takes, yeah, and um again, we're not experts, but we strongly believe that you this should is listen important.
1: yeah well, and you should listen to people who are,
0: yeah, yeah, and you should <laughs> listen to people who are, yeah, you should. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we do love you guys. We do care about you guys, which is why it was important for us to be honest with you about where we're at and what we believe in all of this, because it matters as we move forward, not just as creatives, but as human beings. And so we hope that you will do the work and as well, we'll catch you next time.
1: Bye.